0: A corner kick. Corner kick, Nashville Mukhtar. Second of the day. Flicked on, shot. merry goal! The Road Warriors are at it yet again. Nashville SC played devil in the city of angels. The boys in gold cast a black shadow on decision day for the men in black. And Tim, just 410 miles south of Folsom Prison, the men from Cashville made LAFC sing the blues. Wow, us. Wow. <laughs> I am ready for the playoffs, can you tell? <laughs> Evidently, you are, yes. <laughs> Audio, courtesy of iHeartRadio, that's Teal Bunbury's goal that uh, elevated Nashville to a 1-0 win at LAFC on Decision Day. We're going to talk about it, as well as the playoffs here on Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who have covered the club longer than anyone in the respective disciplines. Five years, five playoff appearances for nashville sc across all competitions and you and i tim have both been uh, there for all of them i'm west bowling nashville sc's radio voice
1: and i'm tim sullivan the owner of clubcountryusa.com where i produce written work about the boys and gold
0: nashville looking to make it past the final eight for the first time in their history usl and mls combined and they put themselves uh, in the fifth position in the western conference after they became the second team this season to beat lafc at home the first to shut them out and yet tim that fifth spot honestly looks a lot worse to me than number <laughs> six which is where they would have been if la had yeah. scored late or converted that penalty kick and ended this thing with a draw instead
1: yeah i mean it had been 42 games with at least one goal in bank of california stadium for lafc so i'm, I'm not going to begrudge nashville sc keeping that clean sheet because nobody else can do it but um, you know, Nashville SC, and, and specifically Joe Willis, had a huge game at LAFC, but yeah, like you mentioned, for their efforts, the boys in gold get at least one more trip back to the Golden State this weekend, and we'll see if they uh, make it two in a row, if they can knock off LA Galaxy.
0: Do you think MLS should reseed its playoff? No, I hate
1: reseeding brackets all the way. Always. I hate a big fan brackets.
0: That. I like the unpredictability yeah. and all that stuff, but uh, in this case, it would uh, make the fifth seed at least a little more palatable than the six, <laughs> depending <laughs> on, on, of course, what happens in that, in that first round. Uh, of course, uh, Joe Willis saved a penalty in this one. First half stoppage time. Uh, we'll hear that call in just a little bit from my heart radio. chicho Arango jumped so high. He could see the LA skyline, I think before landing and, uh, well, hitting that ball with a thud into Joe Willis's right palm. Worst PK take, Chicho Arango in that one, or Brenner's Panenka for Cincinnati in 2021?
1: Well, I think Chicho was trying a Panenka too, right? It was hard to It was hard, was it to, a, say it was hard sure. to tell because there was enough... It was A just kind of that I couldn't really talk. bad. <laughs> so, so, so Brenner, I'm going to let you off the hook because yours was clearly an attempted Panenka, Whereas Chicho's, we can't even tell if that's what you were going for. Uh, Brenner, Brenner, you get off the hook.
0: Chicho's was worse. Fair enough. The transformative power of Brenner's miss was maybe even bigger. I think for, as for too.
1: <laughs> yeah, man, they've been good ever since.
0: Seriously. Uh, seriously, it was in, in Brenner, 18 goals this year. So he's gotten over it for sure. Uh, lots to talk about today, including uh, an awesome interview with one of our favorite guests of return appearance uh, the early shout joe willis goes nuts with one of the best performances by an mls keeper not just this year but in league history we're going to chat about that we'll also put Hani Mukhtar's golden boot season in perspective and we'll explore the galaxy and we'll also take a look at uh, la <laughs> <laughs> that, that was dumb sorry uh, our guest is tony husband nashville sc's tv voice for the last Three seasons. He, of course, has been with us for every magical moment, except for that uh, that Walker Zimmerman goal uh, in Atlanta against Atlanta to start the uh, the franchise history because uh, he couldn't make it over just yet. Uh, so so he came for the third game ever, and he's been with us for every magical moment since. And uh, Tony has incredible insight, not just about. This club, and, and we'll look at the playoffs with him, but also, of course, now uh, about where Nashville fits in the international scheme of things and bringing his British experience over in that perspective. What does he think about American soccer after his three years here uh, in American sports in general? In the mailbag, what's the deal with CJ? Uh, and who's going to start the first playoff match up top Is Teal Bunbury earned starting honors at LAFC? Plus, we'll look at how travel impacted NSC this season. The reason that we say that five might be tougher than six, number one, of course, you're on LAFC's side of the bracket. Number two, you're traveling to the Galaxy for that first game instead of traveling to Texas. Uh, and Austin would have been the team then, most likely, in, uh, in the conference semis if you if you beat Dallas. So long travel. How did that impact Nashville? Will it matter in the playoffs? It's kind of crazy
1: that all uh, Texas and California teams missed the playoffs last year, and now most of them are hosting playoff games this year. It's wild, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, and Houston, you're the exception.
0: <laughs> so they, they missed the playoffs last year, and then the top yeah. four seats in the Western Conference, yeah. Texas in California. So nice central planning there. Uh, <laughs> and uh, then we'll go outside, and we're going to pick the playoffs. We're going to make our playoff picks, and I'm even going to going to pick some NFC matches because I am on the air, but I'm in studio uh, instead of being the play by play guy for these games. And so you know what, I'll make some picks on this Get your show. your Corso on time. rather than your typical Herb Street since we have to refer to college football in every single episode. We're going to do that later anyway, talking about <laughs> Tennessee, Alabama. After all, I was in Baton Rouge uh, watching my volunteers pick apart LSU. And uh, Tim, it was really tempting to go to ML Rose to get a celebratory burger after our, our four flights that day and getting home. It was just a little bit too late to go. But Club and Country is sponsored by ML Rose. And that's where my brain went, honestly. It was like, all right, I'm going to go have a beer on the bayou. Then we're going to get to our plane. we are going to get back. And at some point here soon, I'm going to go have a celebratory burger because, of course, nothing tastes sweeter than savory meat after a big win. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure you had all sorts of uh, of, of seafoods and
1: étouffées in Louisiana that you can't get in Nashville. But uh, from that, for Nashville's part, you can't get ML Rose in Baton Rouge either. And um, it's something that you know you mentioned that it's almost your reflex to celebrate with one. It's because. Uh, that's what we do so often after Nashville SC wins or, or draws or, or sometimes losses as well Is it's such a convenient place to Geodis park. And it's such a great place to go and, and hang out with fellow Nashville
0: SC fans. And, and occasionally I guess, fellow UT fans for us. If it's just convenient, then that's fine and that's good, but it's also so good. And what frustrated me then we went to some college dive bar in Baton Rouge right after the game it was half orange and half purple. Cause all the LSU fans mostly wanted to go home and take a nap and cry in their in their a2 phase but and the place was convenient it was it was decent but man the beer list just wasn't doing it for me and they had like three local beers Like, mm-hmm. come on you're in louisiana everybody loves to drink down here like you're not going to have all the all the you know special local beers in baton rouge and there's a big brewery in new orleans i won't name because they're not a sponsor no <laughs> it, it didn't and so what i love too about ml rose is you can go and you can you can have a good beer flight and sample all kinds of different different options there and the variety is there. The quality is there, not just the convenience, which, of course, is there, too.
1: Yeah. And one game where, where you and I went to M.O. Rose after the contest earlier this year, I asked for a beer that they had on the draft list. They said, you know what? We don't have that on the draft list, but we have a different one in a bottle that is also local. That is a similar style. They ha- they have not only the breadth of options, but the service staff is 100 percent knowledgeable about what you're going to want. If you order one thing and, and they're on the rare occasion that they're out of it, these guys know their stuff. Um, they can recommend something
0: else that is perfect for you. And, uh, what they uh, recommended was indeed perfect for me. So thank you to those guys. I have the same experience there too, where you sit there and you're like, you know what, do I want this or that you tell me? And they're like, Well, ah, you know, this one's actually not as popular. This one's really going crazy right now. you want to try it. And they'll let you try it too. Of course. And, oh yeah. Emil Rose, the place to be eighth Avenue and, uh, Thank goodness for an afternoon playoff game, at least for some reasons, maybe not for Tennessee, Alabama <laughs> reasons. Uh, it's going to be a hop in place, I'm sure, even with the road match uh, before and, and certainly after. ML Rose, when you think of club and country, when you think Nashville SC, think ML Rose. Let's go now to our early shout. Arango stepping forward now slowly, trotting up, hops, shoots. Willis saves. Joe says no. He went slow, and Joe Willis is up to it Again. Joe says no, and we stay scoreless. Fun mashup there. I I had to do that because uh, Tony and I both used the same catchphrase there. Uh, My voice is still sore for mine. I think I said to Eddie Carvacho after my call, uh, Tim, I said, can you tell I have a toddler the way I yell no? Uh, It took me back there. Uh, thanks to to iHeartRadio for the radio call there, and of course to my TV30 for for Tony's excellent call of Joe Willis's save, uh, the the biggest save he made certainly of the 14 Tim that he had against LAFC. And let's talk in our Gold Nuggets about his big day. According to American Soccer Analysis, LAFC notched 4.52 expected goals, 30 total shots, 14 of them on target, the most. Uh, shots, the most shots on target, the highest XG that Nashville's ever allowed to. And
1: yeah, what's crazy is the second most that they've allowed was a home game. And it was just last month. It was against LA Galaxy, who managed 2.72. So almost two full expected goals lower than Nashville allowed to LAFC on Sunday afternoon. So that, that tells you a lot about what Nashville's consistent defensive success means over the past three years as well. That also required LA Galaxy taking two penalties and obviously nailing the second one in stoppage time. So it is a situation where if you if you don't score a penalty against Nashville SC or you don't land a penalty against Nashville SC, you aren't putting up those sorts of numbers. Um, If you want to know the second most road uh, XG that Nashville SC has allowed, it came in the playoffs last year. Two point five six expected goals for Philly. Once again, it was an elite performance from Joe Willis, and unfortunately, Nashville SC fell in penalty kicks on that one. Uh, Those don't count in the expected goals, to be clear. (laughs) Post-match penalty shootout does not count for expected goals. That'd be
0: fun, though. You'd have like eight XG in some of those games (laughs) quickly at .8 or .7. XG inflation is out of control. Yeah, seriously. Uh, So LAFC's performance elite, not just... You know, against Nashville, but when you look at larger historical perspective, the fourth most XG in a game for any team since 2013. And by the way, two of the higher ones were this year NYC against the Revs and Philadelphia against the Rapids. And what's crazy is not only was that the fourth highest
1: ever, but the next highest while being shut out since Nashville did manage to earn that shutout was 3.63. So again, almost a full expected goal lower. That wow. was by Sporting Kansas City in a scoreless draw against Vancouver back in 2020. It was during the pandemic season. So we'll, we'll say that's a little bit different and it hardly even counts. Um, oddly, on the road, uh, a team that shuts out the home team has only ever gotten 2.70 XG allowed against them. That was the Revs in a 4 0 loss to Houston. Uh, way back in 2014. So road teams actually give up fewer XG if if they're going to uh, manage to shut out the home team. That's because probably a style of play components that that Nashville City fans are probably pretty familiar with. You go play to not get beat.
0: Well, congrats, NSC. You almost doubled that. Good job. Um, And uh, Joe Willis, by the way, doubled his career high in saves. It was seven coming into the game. He had seven in each half. So a career high in each half. Uh, Let's talk about post-shot XG. Uh, 3.1 against Nashville. So Willis saved essentially 3.1. The rest were off target or blocked. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that hit seven was the most saves that he had
1: had this year. Um, that, that is certainly the, the most XG he saved for the reasons that we just discussed in the, in the previous couple of bullet points here. But in 34 games, he faced 138 total shots. 14 of those came on the final day of the regular season. <laughs> 14 of his saves. That's over 10% of the total shots on target that Nashville SC allowed with Joe Willis between the pipes this year. Obviously, Elliot Panico got a couple of appearances in there, so that's not every shot that Nashville SC allowed. This is the first time that Joe had faced double-digit shots since playing for the Dynamo back on June 22nd of 2019. Uh, he did not have quite such a good day then of the 10 shots that he faced. He allowed four of them to go in in a 4 nothing loss to Portland.
0: And I know that Willis is not going to be a goalkeeper of the year finalist this year and you know I don't and he's think not had...
1: and he's not player of the week either which is ridiculous people voted for player of the week after they watched those eastern conference games yep. and didn't watch the Western conference games at
0: all i'm not i've not looked at it yet you guys at home know now gazdag i'm assuming with his hat trick for philly brenner brenner oh yeah okay fair fair shout there
1: but man when you it's... when you score goals two three and four in a five two win T- that the Tim, the Tim meter really, really diminishes but those.
0: I know. I know that's, that's exactly against DC. That's what, that's what I know. That how many player players of the yeah. week have done it against DC now also, by the right. way, and how many of Gazdag's 22 goals came against DC? I think it, it is, it is maybe six. It's a mm-hmm. lot. Um, it, I, you're never going to have a keeper win over a hat trick. There's not, if mm-hmm. you ever were to, this would be the time 14 saves, yeah. but of course, uh, I, I, as soon as it happened, I thought he should be nominated as a finalist. He's not yeah. going to win it, even though I'm sure he'd get get my vote and certainly get yours. Yeah. And he got a greater percentage of the fan vote than the media vote.
1: It must be noted. So shout out to the fans for actually watching the games. <laughs> once again the fans ahead of
0: the media in this league as somebody who's media in this league i can confidently say that uh, honey mukhtar claims the golden boot title despite not scoring in the last two matches he closes with 23 goals one better than sebastian dreyusi and daniel gazdag who made a late run a goal for dreyusi on decision day three for gazdag uh, so tim let's reflect just a second on on mukhtar's performances this season which i believe we both would say should merit an mvp award what's your favorite mukhtar goal this season
1: yeah, I had to uh, do a, a mental bracket to, to have single <laughs> elimination in here as well. But no, for me, it was actually pretty easy. It was the opener and the 4 nothing win against Dallas. Um, the aesthetics of this thing were beautiful, too. He dummies the ball uh, to C.J. Sapong, who plays him right through. He's got step overs. He hits the tight-angle blast into the top netting. There's just a lot going on there that was beautiful. And then when you look at what it meant to the season, it came right on the heels of home losses to Toronto and Minnesota. So Nashville SC season was not a guarantee to even make the playoffs at that stage and uh you know if you score that one five minutes into a game against against fc dallas he was an another playoff contender at that point obviously and and nashville couldn't quite catch up to them by the end of the year it's a situation where you've really done yourself uh, a favor not only in terms of scoring a beautiful goal but helping your team get to its
0: season-long objectives i think that's perfectly reasonable. I think it's a great point that matches oh, the it one. Sounds
1: like you're about to slap me down.
0: <laughs> no, I'm not. No, I no. totally agree. Like, if I had to choose one and I was first in the rundown, uh, then then that might have been what I chose as well. I'll choose one of the two against Austin at home. Mm, that was going to be my other choice. Too. In the Drew showdown. You you mm-hmm. pick your favorite between those two. Uh, you know, I, I think that set the individual narrative and in, in put Definitely. him ahead of Drew in that chase. And obviously it was a massive win as well for the boys in Golden Home. good. So one and two, and and we probably chose uh, the others. And I actually
1: thought, I actually thought the goal that I ended up choosing had come was the first one in the Austin match, but I was like, this short angle goal doesn't quite look as beautiful as I remembered. And I had to go back and look through all my match stories to be like, which one is the one that I'm looking for? And it had not been that long, unfortunately.
0: So Cameron has a little hockey goal because he's Canadian, uh, half Canadian, (laughs) of course. And uh, we've turned it into a soccer goal in the backyard because I'm American. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I, I tried after that week. I took a little mini soccer ball, and I tried from Hani's angle to hit it in.
2: Now, my <laughs> skills
0: are slightly below abysmal. Barely. Um, barely. Oh, I thought I was going to say below Hani's. I was barely below honey's. Oh, well, a little bit below honey's, just a little <laughs> bit. Uh, and if you, you, you've marked me before. Like, I'm not a threat. Just, <laughs> I just run back and forth and yell things, and I'm basically a broadcaster on the field. Still, from that angle, I believe I hit it into my neighbor's yard. A couple times, and we have a an eight high, eight foot high fence. Um, that's about a lot of able to do. Just ridiculous, absolutely ridiculous. Uh, congratulations to Honey with the golden boot. Congrats to Joe Willis for his fourteen saves, double his career high. Let's get ready for Galaxy now. First round of the playoffs. Uh, Nashville SC earned just one point off LA in two meetings. Uh, Dayon Jovelic with a winner late. In L.A. early in the season, toward the end of that long road spell for Nashville SC, Ricky Puj equalized late in Nashville to stymie the boys in gold who looked like they might take all three against the Galaxy at Jonas Park. Based on those two matches, what you saw over 180 minutes, what are the dynamics of this matchup look like to you, Tim?
1: Well, I think an important thing to keep in mind is that LA Galaxy must make the playoffs memorial pro mandate won't apply now that LA Galaxy has made the playoffs. So that second penalty won't kind of uh, appear out of thin air. But
0: I'm going to disagree. I think El Trafico (laughs) in the conference semis is another mandate, actually. Fair enough,
1: actually. But uh, realistically, we saw that these are two teams that are really evenly
0: matched and it takes
1: moments of individual brilliance or... Or penalty calls. Nashville's goal in that Galaxy game was a penalty as well. Let's not get it too, too twisted yet, but it is a situation where they're really close to each other and it's going to be who shows up better on the day. It's not going to be who is better overall.
0: To stop me if you heard this before. LA, one of the toughest teams to beat in Major League Soccer in their last 11 matches. Of course, you could say the same about Nashville SC. The Galaxy just one loss in their last 11. Five, one, and five in that stretch. Fourth best in the West total points over their last eight matches. By the way, Nashville has the best form in the West in that span. Um, And in that eight-match stretch, L.A. Galaxy with the fourth highest goal tally. Tim, they haven't been world beaters, but they've been stable. And that's more than we've been Mm -hmm. able to say about the Galaxy. And they were below the playoff line as recently as September 14th. Yeah, I think it's an okay team
1: that feels like it is accomplishing less than the sum of its parts. The issue is some of the, especially the high caliber parts are, you know, of the profile where, hey, they snap their fingers. And all of a sudden, not only do we have a team that has parts that include Ricky Pooge, but we're now living up to that kind of total roster. So a team like Nashville that's going to focus on not getting beaten It's kind of a tough matchup for the Galaxy in a one and done game, but you always have the the expectation that the Galaxy could just say, okay, we have this amount of talent. Let's go and and Chicharito beat Chicharito. Just don't take any penalty kicks and and we'll be able to you know overachieve what we have done all year, but what
0: probably is is reasonable with our talent. So we've talked about recent form. What about the underlying metrics? Galaxy ranked third in MLS and expected goals this year. They've underachieved by nearly three goals, the fourth most in MLS as uh, part of that problem. They're just nine for 14 from the spot. Also, they've gotten 14 penalties awarded. That's amazing. Uh, but they've missed five of them. Thanks, Chicharito, for several of those. Mm-hmm. And then defensively, when you look at the underlying numbers, at least the very base level underlying numbers, seventh most goals allowed, but eighth highest XG against. So not a significant deviation there. Tim, I know those are just the, the most basic underlying numbers, you know, X, XG, XG against. But do you think they provide a fair representation of the other revealing figures that you throw out there? Yeah, no, I think that's fair. it's they Those add up to look like a team that is good, not
1: great. And I think that's a pretty accurate encapsulation of what the Galaxy is. Uh, I think when you look further into the numbers, goalkeeping has been an issue. Um, Jonathan Bond is allowing 120% of expected goals faced to find the back of the net. That's not terrible, but it's not good. You, you want to get uh, less than 100%. You want your goalkeeper to go out there and, and make some plays for you. And Bond has not done that. And meanwhile, in attack, I think, other than the penalty situation, they have they have a player. <laughs> so congrats to Kevin Cabral. I'm about to roast you pretty hard here. But they have a player who is... Who is plenty responsible for their xg underachievement as well um kevin cabral has turned 5.17 expected goals into just 2.83 post shot expected goals which means he's missing the net a lot or putting it right into the keeper's chest and all that has added up to just one goal so you know you mentioned (laughs) west there are three goals behind their expected goals uh he personally is is 4.17 behind so the rest of the team isn't doing so bad and then um yeah, you mentioned Ricky Pooge earlier. They were plus 1.82 expected goal differential after his arrival, but they were plus 5.52 before it. So he basically didn't change their overall performances since he played uh, just over a quarter of the season. Um, basically, they are the same overall quality of team that they were even before he arrived.
0: Uh, it's, it's really interesting stuff. When you talk about the individual quality they've brought in in the second year under Greg Manny. Uh, when you talk about a guy like Douglas Costa, when you talk about Pujó, I think, you know, certainly would rather not talented. Talk about Costa, they would rather not <laughs> for sure, <laughs> for sure. Talk about underachieving that that, that yeah. one hasn't, hasn't worked uh, a star-studded team, certainly a team that when you look at them in the first round of the playoffs, you might think, Oh man, galaxy, here we go. And yet it's a galaxy team that has struggled to make the playoffs in recent years and uh, missed out last season. So the team's still very much uh, trying to figure out who it is, Against a Nashville team with a a firm sense of identity and and a lot of uh, a lot of momentum for both teams coming to the playoffs should be a fun, a fun matchup. We'll get into our predictions uh, for that and other first round matchups in just a moment. Uh, First, though, uh, we're going to talk with Tony Husband uh, and really, really excited to catch up with him. I'm going to I'm going to send an invitation to him, by the way, as well, to join us at ML Rose, Tim, um, after this uh, this Galaxy game. Uh, early evening, I will be at ML Rose for a beer and a burger, and uh, there's no better place to close out. Um, hopefully, a first round win, or at worst, a, a season for Nashville. SC.
1: unfortunately, I'm not going to be there, but I'm really looking forward to to hearing the stories that that we've heard. Um, you've you've heard. People seeing us there, you've heard people who are, who have grabbed a beer with us. Uh, once again, shout out to, to Kate and Logan for, for a great night uh, several weeks ago at this point. But it is a situation where we're, we're so happy not just that ML Rose wants to be a place that people go watch sports. It's they want to go hang out with fellow Nashville SC fans. You walk in there on a match day, whether it's a home match day or an away match day, that place is going to be loaded with gold. There's going to be people eating, drinking, being merry, um, maybe Something, Gary. I don't know. I was. I really could have, if I had prethought this. I really could have thrown a rhyme in there and been, been writing ad copy for ML Rose. But alas, at, at this stage, um, it is a place that we'd love to see people hanging out and uh, chatting about the boys and gold. Mary with Gary, very.
0: If Nashville see, <laughs> is victorious, let's uh, let's go ahead and bring in Tony now. Well, it's cliche to say our next guest needs no introduction, and yet uh, he doesn't. Tony Husband joins us now on the Club and Country podcast, of course, the TV voice of National Soccer Club for the last three seasons. Tony, you've represented this club so incredibly well, and and we thought it was a great time to have you on as the playoffs get going to reflect on the season, to reflect on your three years on the TV crew, and and just to shoot the breeze a little bit, because somehow we hadn't had you on this year. I I was looking at my records, and it's hard to believe.
2: Well, firstly, uh, where's Ad Tim, thank you for the introduction. I did, did enjoy it. Secondly, you know, you guys have been the soundtrack to my season. And early in the week, you will find me plodding or sometimes actually just walking very slowly around <laughs> Bicentennial Park and Germantown in, in Nashville, trying to stay fit. Uh, And I will be listening to you and your range of wonderful guests that you have on every week. Now, the only problem you've given me this week is that with me being the guest, I don't want to be running around by Centennial Park listening to myself. (laughs) So I I might have to go and find the other bowling and find some material. Oh, go find
0: the better bowling. (laughs) That's a great idea. Yep. (laughs) Get on, get on the 104.5 morning show with him. <laughs> um, yep, yeah, there you go. Well, I think you should play yourself on full blast. Uh, right in the middle of Bicentennial Mall.
2: Go for it. Uh, yeah. No one well, can judge would be... you at all. Put, on, put no. it on
1: speaker. Don't even wear the headphones.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, that would be way too much, way too much. But it's great to be on with you both. And, uh, you know, it's great to, to be able to, look, you know, look back on this this past three seasons and, and look ahead to, you know, postseason because we, we never know what happens from this stage.
0: It's a wild and crazy league. And and you talk about never knowing what happens. Nashville SC goes on the road to LAFC, a team that's lost at home exactly once all year and comes away with a victory despite giving up a record number of shots, shots on target, expected goals, you name it. Could you have imagined that that was the result, especially at halftime when you saw what LAFC was doing against Nashville. And yet this
2: defense again continues to bend occasionally, but not break. It was so typically Nashville, wasn't it? I mean, if there was a game that summed up in many ways, some of the best qualities that we've seen from this Nashville group in this three seasons as a Major League Soccer team, uh, th- this kind of summed it up, didn't it? Going on the road, you know, facing a lot of adversity, you know, huge array of attacking talent on the other team, uh, and yet Nashville found their way through and they got their goal. And I think what encouraged me the most as well was that having got into the lead, they held that lead all the way through the ninety minutes. Because on a few occasions this season, if there has been something that's been different is that they haven't always been as effective at holding on uh, to leads they've had in games. So I think it augurs really well, you know, to go into the playoffs. I actually saw Gary Smith uh, and Mike Jacobs down by the locker rooms after the game. Uh, and I said to them both, you know, you, you finished in the same position that you started the day in, in fifth in the standings. But actually, you're in a very different place when you consider the 90 minutes you've just played. You've just come to the Supporters' Shield winner's You've just won. You inevitably know that almost certainly you're going to have to go through there again. And Now, know you will have to go through there again if you're going to go all the way to the cup. So, you know, what better than to get that result on Sunday and to do it that way. (laughs) Incredible, right?
1: Yeah. It is a situation where they, they didn't necessarily make it easy. They needed a massive performance out of Joe Willis. And that's something that obviously they've, they've come to expect over the course of three years now, but it seems like it had been the best performance that we've seen out of him in a while. Is that is that kind of the take that you had as well?
2: Absolutely, Joe has you know not had the easiest year. Let's be yeah. honest with it. You know, for the first time in his time here in Nashville, he's had genuine pressure on his shoulders. Elliot Panico is someone that you know is very very highly regarded, uh, and we can see why in the performances when he's been in this side. You know, goalkeepers in that kind of specialist position they have to they have to step up from time to time and meet the challenge, which is very different to the rest of the, of the outfield roster. And I think he's done fantastically well. Uh, that was an outstanding game. A really, I, I would say one of the top two or three games I can remember seeing Joe Willis have uh, in this Nashville group. Uh, the penalty save, again, was just a, another kind of, you know, one of those moments I thought back to the Penenka that Brenner tried on him in <laughs> Cincinnati last year. Um, and I thought, you know, he obviously... You know, they hadn't they hadn't watched that penalty save. And um, so, no, it, you know, a towering performance from from a pillar between, you know, the post for, for Nashville and a great display from him and nine clean sheets for the season.
1: I might have made a, a not quite family friendly uh, social media reference to the,
2: to the
0: printer uh, saved last year during the game. Two thumbs up, right? Thumbs. thumbs exactly. Up. Exactly. I think yeah.
2: I referenced it in the commentary and then realized <laughs> that I couldn't really take that story much further. So, uh, just so kind of gave him a thumbs up.
0: Well, we're, uh, we're imitating each other a little bit. We both had the Joe says no uh, line on our calls uh, from, from the game. And then we actually referenced the Brenner uh, PK earlier on the show too, and talked about, which is a worse take and and credit to Joe Willis for, uh, for the stop. Certainly. I, I wonder, you know, this is a group that has been so resilient and so tough when they've had to go to the West coast. And, you know, we've talked about the effect that has on the team, and the way they've navigated that challenge but you're on those trips you know what that grind is like you're not getting out and playing 90 minutes in between but you're exerting yourself too and going through and having the same disruptions to your lifestyle what is that challenge like as you travel with the team and you see that grind and and how do you expect the team to try to work through that having to do it certainly at least one more time and hopefully uh, two more times
2: well I, I've never been a great fan of it when somebody sits and says well you know you just don't know what it's like until you've done it but I'm going to fall back on that quote a bit because <laughs> having having done it this year and, and gone into it and and perhaps for me as well coming from, you know, a, a comparatively very small country back, back in the United Kingdom, um, you just do not appreciate the the travel and the time that takes uh, and just the fatigue that can set in on you maybe not even just at the time but in the days following those trips to do eight right off the bounce at the start of the season was you know remarkable for Nashville And to come out of it so well you know just uh, is a testament to the work that you know the group did and how they were prepared by by Gary Smith and that group i do think they were helped by the fact that at the end of last season they played so many games on the road as well. And they almost got into this mentality of road trip, road trip, road trip. And they got very used to it. We all got very used to really, to, you know, we turn up, park the car, go and get on the plane, you know, and then get off. And as Gary said a few times, you know, they, some of the players, they're probably getting off in cities. They don't even remember where they are because they're just <laughs> getting used to it. So it's amazing what routine can do. But, you know, West Coast, doing those West Coast trips, uh, you know, that is that is difficult. The time zones and the fact that you're four or five hours in the air, you know, and then to go out and perform like they have, uh, you know, is a wonderful result because, you know, it is not easy at all. Um, so to come out of this season and to secure a playoff place and finish effectively tied for fourth in the Western Conference, um, that's a, that's another great achievement for this team.
0: That travel distance is something that, you know, you mentioned is, is something that is not prevalent in the UK where, you know, you're, you're uh, you know, Obviously not. I think the longest road trip is the equivalent of pretty much a Nashville to a Columbus, right? If you're going from maybe a Southampton to Newcastle or something like that. That's one adjustment you had to make. What else did you think you were getting into when you came across the pond three years ago uh, that surprised you when you got here? Or or more generally, how is this experience compared to what your
2: expectations were coming in? I would say that one of the biggest things and one of the most pleasant things about this whole uh, experience so far has been... Um, I I come from a kind of broadcasting culture where um, back in England, covering the kind of the national game um, you can rarely please anyone, and you rarely get any praise from from any supporter because inevitably they all think you support the opposition, or the, <laughs> you know they, they 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 don't believe that you you have the interests of their team at, at heart, and so you got very used to just having to kind of fend off people saying, "Oh, you know, he, husband doesn't like us, you know, and uh, he likes them more than us, and all that," and it was never true, but that's just the kind of environment you're in. But I think probably I also um, kind of underappreciated what it would be like to be termed as a voice of the club and be a, a local voice in the market and actually how people perceive you, what people are like with you. Um, and it's just been amazing. You know, it's just been amazing how, how well-received I've been by people when I when I meet people on the street, when I talk to people, whether it's just in their apartment building, when it's meeting fans at the stadium, whether with the likes of you, with Jamie... Whatever you know, everybody is is so friendly, so welcoming. They appreciate the job you do, um, and, and you know uh, that's been something that's been been wonderful. And and you know you realise that you have this responsibility uh, of being a, a local voice of the club, and you know the club's archives, the games that go by. You know your voice will forever be associated with with some of those some of those moments and those games. And indeed, for me as well some of the big moments like just unveiling the naming of the stadium, you know, it gives me a little, little bit of a shiver when they'll play a video of me, you know, announcing that the stadium is called Geodis Park. And you think, well, that that's there in a vault forever. And that's been, you know, just wonderful to, to be a part of it, And a great honor for me to, you know, be the person who's kind of uh, been the lead voice on some of those occasions.
1: Yeah. that's it's such a different situation, obviously than, than you're used to I mean, in Europe. Clubs have been around for over a hundred years and things like that. This is, essentially a brand new club uh, and certainly an MLS. You've been there essentially since the beginning, missed that first game, but, but essentially since the beginning, but what, what has that experience been like? And, and obviously, you know, you can't directly compare it necessarily to a a similar situation in England because there aren't any, but what has it been like that's been different from what you've had a chance to experience in the
2: past? Well, we we touched on the travel. That's obviously been very different. Uh, I think for me, it's been just amazing to, to see this country. You know, to, to to sample more of the culture, I loved it. But before coming here, you know, my wife and I had had vacations over here. We we've done. A, I don't want to call it we had done a small sample size of of, of things. You know, um,
0: he does uh, down listen. the years.
2: He does, <laughs> but. Um, But, you know, this was this was totally different. So it's been wonderful to, you know, to, for example, go eat barbecue in in, in Kansas City, uh, you know, to see the coastline of the Pacific Northwest and and, and down that coastline, you know, the California um, to go to the nation's capital and get to the hotel. And I remember the excitement when, you know, got to the hotel uh, on the Friday night, I think, before we played in D.C. United last year. Um, and within ten minutes, I'd run down the road because I wanted to go and see the White House lit up and illuminated. Um, and so, you know, that for me on a personal level, just this has been uh, has been wonderful. And to go to some of the stadia, and it's funny because we got some brilliant soccer-specific stadia in, the, in this country, and it, obviously we have one, you know, right under our noses in Jodis Park. Uh, but for me, and you, you, you know, you know my my interest in American sports culture and history. So for me, I, I will you know, I'll never forget doing a game, albeit a terrible game, but a game at Soldier Field on a Sunday lunchtime oh. in Chicago. And to yeah. be able to welcome an audience into Soldier Field at midday on a Sunday, um, it wasn't a great game, but, you know, With I, a dozen's it was an amazing fans, <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we I mean, we did one in the New York Red Bulls uh, at Stadium for New York City FC, you know, it felt like mm-hmm. it was a game from the pandemic because uh, that game was moved over there. But even, you know, going to Gillette Stadium, you know, where I'd sat at home in the UK and Watched, you know, one or two Revs games down the years, and some great moments, uh, you know, from Foxborough. Um, but of course, also seen, you know, the, what the Patriots dynasty had done there in, in the NFL, and so to be in the booth there uh, and calling sport, you know, really special, really special moments for me.
0: What I catch every time I have a conversation with you is what you've just conveyed here, which is your passion for American sports and your curiosity to to really bask in, in that. But coming over, I've also shared with you what my initial concern was until the very first conversation you and I ever had, which when it was completely alleviated, alleviated which is, Oh, they're going to bring in some British guy. He's going to tell us how it's all done. He's going to try to make us conform to his norms instead of meeting Nashville where we're at. And of course it's been the total opposite down to the, again, as we've talked about the soccer time in Tennessee, nod, the subtle nod of John Ward. And, but I wonder, did you feel a burden when you got here to try to go overboard, to convince fans that, Hey, look, no, I really do love it here, and I love what you have. And I'm not just trying to do things the the English way and not and not considering your culture and tradition. Did you feel that pressure, that burden, or was it just something that naturally exuded from you that you're so passionate about the
2: sports culture here that that it was pretty easy to convey? Well, I'd like to think it was pretty easy to convey because I think it was genuinely real. I mean, and you know, we, we all know from the time we spend when we're not broadcasting and we're just we're just chatting. You know, the, the areas of conversation we move into. Uh, are uh, just the things that we enjoy, and we talk about the sports culture. I mean, you before we hit the record button today, you know, we're talk- I- I'm asking you about how big this game is going to be for UT this weekend against <laughs> Alabama, and uh, you know, I'm fascinated by that. You know, I still turn on college football on a Saturday and just wonder at the traditions of it, and and you know, whereas I was watching your Twitter feed at the weekend from LSU, you know, just in awe of uh, of what it's like. So. I think it was just a hopefully a natural thing and most definitely you know I, I obviously got some advice before I came over from, from people who I would you know regard extremely highly uh, Ian Dark who obviously has been a very familiar voice uh, on ESPN over the years and we'll hear him on Fox and the World Cup um, later this year as well you know I mean he, he said to me you know I know you wouldn't do this but you know don't come over like you're a know-it-all you know some British guy who, who you know just knows more than anyone else and Um, that wouldn't have been my style, anyway, to be honest, because, you know, I would never profess to to, to know all in any sense. So uh, it's been a natural process, really, of just, you know, wanting to embrace the market uh, and just immerse myself in the culture. And the whole, you know, the soccer time in Tennessee, I only ever intended to do it once. I just meant to do it that one time. just thought it's a nice thing just to say, um, but it got such a good reception. I thought, well, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll do it again But if anybody ever says, oh, it's just ripping off some kind of famous old phrase, well, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do it for that reason. It's always going to be, you know, just it's our nod for our privilege and my privilege to be in this market, in this state, broadcasting sport. And, you know, if we can put a little twist on a famous line, then, you know, hopefully that goes down well. And it has.
0: Which is exactly how I how I took it as it was intended. and, And, you know, I asked that question um, despite the fact that that it's always seemed very natural, it, it's never seemed like you were trying to to force a connection. It has always seemed very organic and, and very natural.
2: Uh, well, I'm glad I'm glad <laughs> that it has come across that way. Yes, as well. of course, That's
0: important. Absolutely. Uh, all right, I'm going to get you into just a few rapid fire questions here, and you've already referenced a couple of things that that, that I was going to ask you. We'll go with it anyway. Um, you know, you give short answers, give long answers. I don't really care. So it may not be rapid fire. It might be you know somewhat. Um, slow fire, and that's okay too. Uh, first question: <laughs> favorite favorite road city you've gotten to visit?
2: Oh gosh, um, I mean, it's hard to it's hard to say that you can't enjoy, you know, and be very fortunate to travel somewhere like, ironically, Los Angeles, and <laughs> and to be on uh, Saturday morning this week, you know, running along the beach in Santa Monica, and just so that you don't think to yourself at times, you know, what a what a lucky man you are. Um, so I, I, would, I would give LA uh, the nod, but out of interest, just, and I'm going too long, I know, sorry. Nope. Uh, out of interest <laughs> as well, but I would say out of uh, purely fascinating places to visit, you know, for example, Salt Lake City, fascinating place to go walk around the altitude and everything. Denver, Colorado, great place to visit, you know, but LA probably pips them. Awesome. Uh,
0: favorite player to watch from an opposing team?
2: Oh, private player to watch for an opposing team. Well, I did enjoy seeing um, Carlos Hill play last year. Uh, Lucas Ellerayan, I've always enjoyed watching from uh, from Columbus. Um, we've not really seen the best of Chicharito in in uh, the games of the galaxy, and I hope we continue to not see uh, <laughs> to, um, too much. Um, but I would probably tip towards Zelarayan because I love watching a player who can affect a game, much like Hani Mukhtar. You know, he can he can single handedly change the course of a game. So uh, let, let's let's go with him. It. It's,
1: it's been a little while since anybody's seen the best of Chicharito. <laughs> so, let's,
0: uh, yes. <laughs> let's be straight. Here. Don't tempt him. I'm about to knock on my wood <laughs> desk over here. Yeah. Uh, what about the best broadcast setup at another stadium? And obviously, we know what Jonas Park is. It's superb, but, but uh, on the road.
2: Am I allowed to say Cincinnati? Uh, I think so. <laughs> safe, safe space here, Tony. Yeah, the the, the, the folks the folks in Cincinnati are great. The broadcast setup there and their new stadium is is outstanding. As is actually Columbus. Um, you know, a, a really really super super setup. Um, so I and I think you know that says everything about new stadiums. Austin as well is is very well geared for uh, for visiting television as well but uh, uh hats off to ohio though they have done <laughs> a great job with their stadiums and they're super places to visit last of the rapid fire
0: questions here we all know what hani Mukhtar has done we all know joe willis has had great moments walker two-time defending defender of the year what about maybe your your favorite player to cover on this team that's not as heralded The you know the, the most underrated player that, that you've covered here for nashville sc over the past three years
2: I'll throw a name at you that you maybe wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, but I, I think if you were to go back and Tim, I'm going to trust you on this because mm-hmm. I trust you on my you know statistical breakdowns of, of, of everything. I, I'm always kind of you know monitoring what you've got. So um, but sometimes in soccer you find a player where he might go unheralded, but he also the team in general, Performs better when he's been on the field, and I, I'll say that let's go back over two and a half years in this. Not necessarily just the, the you know the, the mm-hmm. small sample size of recent games, for example, but uh, I think hats off to Alex Miel mm-hmm. for being a tremendous tremendous team player for a player who has always done the job he's been asked to do. Covers more ground than anyone, and that's been a fact in the last season and no. a half in in MLS. Um, and you need Alex Mule type players in your team when you have stars like Hani Mukhtar uh, at one end of the field or whatever, um, and so I I would give the, the the vote to Alex on that because you just have to have great team players sometimes. I mean there are other players you could mention. I mean Annabelle Godoy I think has been you know immense Dax in midfield. You know Sean Davis, but um, I'll give the nod to to Alex.
1: And he's a guy who's, whose contributions, I think, don't show up in the score sheet a lot. But uh, they're, they are very important, not just to any team, but to a Gary Smith team, especially. The, the way that he plays the game is a, a match made in heaven
2: for, for Gary. <laughs> All right, I, I agree. I agree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, pops up, you know, you got the winner in Columbus this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just, just a, a really important conduit, you know, to a team that doesn't always get the first line of the headline after the game.
0: As we look forward now to toward the playoffs, we've talked a bit about the the grind that Nashville is going to have to to face, and we'll talk on this show about some of the dynamics of that Galaxy matchup. But but looking now at this Galaxy team, that obviously you called, you know, less than a month ago in that one one draw at Jodas Park. What do you think Nashville needs to do to come away with either the victory or a hard fought draw turned into its first ever penalty shootout win?
2: I think first up, you got to stop Ricky Pouge. I think he's been uh, a game changing signing. For the Galaxy. Mm. Uh, A really, really bright talent for this league. Um, uh, You know, a positive spark uh, of creative talent to come into the league at this point of the year. Um, I think if you're going to beat LA Galaxy, you've got to find a way to shut him down out of the game because he can influence things and change things. And they've got danger up front, you know, whether it's Chicharito, Jovic impresses me. They tend to do better when Jovic gets on the field. And even Mm -hmm. though they seem to be finding it difficult sometimes to get him on the field, which seems crazy at times, but that's just, it's more about the system. Um, but if you can if you can shut down that hub from Ricky Pouge, I think that's you know you're going to go a long way. Um, and then you know you look at Nashville's strength. Where where can Nashville you know pick some holes? You know I don't think that you know across the back particularly LA Galaxy uh, anything you'd be ultimately too scared of. Can Nashville uh, exploit their chances playing away from home again? I don't think necessarily is an issue for this group in transitional moments on the counter finding that space for Hani Mokhtar to work his magic, you know, those, those spaces should emerge at Dignity Health Sports Park. So um, I I would say that if you can shut down Pooj on the one side and then also work well in transition like this Nashville group can, then, you know, you've got all the ingredients of a, a classic Nashville away win.
1: That is something that I think um, we've talked about how Nashville kind of uh, with the Houston match, obviously not this past weekend sacrifice this chance at a home match, but when you look at the specific opponent, it seems like the best way, the best mechanism for Nashville to win is probably to play a Nashville away style of game and play in transition more than at home. Is that something that you see, too, where it, it, you don't want to say that it's good to not have a home game, but that it might play to their to their advantage to play that more Nashville away
2: style? I think you're right, Tim. Yeah, I agree with mm-hmm. that. I think I think this group has, you know, going back to the top of the conversation where we said, you know, they become so kind of conditioned to playing away because they mm-hmm. seem to have done it in these big tranches along along the last eighteen months or so. Um, I, I think there are, there's nothing to fear for this group going on, on the road, and and you can see the belief that was in this group uh, as they came off the field uh, at uh, Bank of California Stadium. You know, they just gone to LA. You know, they, they got the best record. A home record in MLS since they entered the league back in, in 2018. They'd only lost eight times and Nashville had gone there and beaten them. And then they'd watched them lift a trophy uh, at the end of the afternoon, having beaten them. They'll have a gr- immense confidence and momentum going into that. And if they can get past LA Galaxy, fast turnaround potentially into the next game in LA, they'll be going to a venue where they've just been and won. So all those characteristics, all those qualities that Nashville uh, have got, and that we've seen, and the strengths over the last couple of years, um, which have also flourished offensively uh, this season more so perhaps than the first two years, uh, all of those will all go well going into what, of course, ultimately is the playoffs, where we don't know what might happen next, and that's the that's the beauty of it. So
0: as as we close the interview and. Um, and hopefully you're able to, to preview another match uh, next week, but, but never know. And we'll, we'll figure that out here, I guess on, on Saturday, uh, another chance, to, I guess, to reflect on this year, on this past, you know, three years of, of covering the, the start of Nashville SC's life in major league soccer. When you talk to your friends in the industry, when you talk to your buddies back in England, what do you tell them about what this experience has meant to you? And what will you take away from these first three years of Nashville SC and, and being the voice uh, of Nashville SC on television?
2: Well, immense pride at uh, everything that we've got to do, at the team and the crew that we've put together, and where I include you know you in that across television and radio and um, the content we've managed to deliver to, as I mentioned earlier, an incredibly you know receptive Nashville and Middle Tennessee general public, um, some of whom are, are brand new to soccer, some of whom are soccer nuts and obsessives. You know, we, we, we seem to have been able to to kind of marry the, the, the two groups together um, for the benefit and the growth of the club moving forward. We've seen some, you know, some really amazing moments. You know, opening Jody's Park, I think, was was beyond in many ways what I expected it would be. Uh, there's been some magical moments at that stadium. I look back very fondly on some great times at Nissan Stadium as well, where, you know, there were some... some great games particularly in the playoffs and it seems remarkable to think though you know that just a couple of years ago we were playing there in front of no fans at all you know look at the journey everybody's been on the the club all of us you know from from the, the the darkest days of 2020 and this team has continually been able to give us those shining moments and they've continually proved that they're better um and Wes you know I know that you did a message after the, the, uh, the radio broadcast on Sunday, you know, and I kind of, I would say, you know, you and, and Tim, you know, you, you're two of the original insiders, you know, here. And, and you've seen the journey pre-MLS um, and the satisfaction it must give you to show how MLS has worked here and is working here. And now the fact we're watching games, uh, a stadium that is averaging crowds in the top five in Major League Soccer, you know, that must give you great satisfaction. Uh, it, it certainly pleases me. And people back home, when you know, when they see snippets of Nashville, they, they say, wow, it, you know, it really looks good over there. So it, it really does look good. And, boy, it's really been good. Well, and,
0: and you know, as, as two people who were sitting next to each other at First Tennessee Park on a dreary rainy February day watching <laughs> Atlanta United pretty much take over the stadium in the first scrimmage of USL, um, before this club, I think this club had practiced together for maybe ten days in the mm-hmm. first year of USL when we saw that. You know, I, I think it is it is a little bit tempting not to be gatekeepers because I like, think we're both the opposite of that, but to be defensive of this club's history and its voice. And so to have you come in and to be so proud of telling that story and so curious about that culture and remember that first that first Cincinnati match, you came to me and said, hey, let, let, I want to learn some more stories about that Cincinnati rivalry in USL, the Tucker Hume bird flapping and, and those yeah. things. And, and we, re- I think we all recognize that this has to grow beyond what it was in USL to be special and to see it have done so, so far, at this early juncture and to, to the fact that you were the connection with so many of those new fans in that first year, especially of MLS when they couldn't get in the stadium, you were the voice and the, the, the passion and the curiosity and the precision uh, and artistry with which you you, you know told those stories is something that is so deeply appreciated, not just by us, but by you know, listeners, by people who um, the, the majority of our fan base that knows your voice way better than it knows ours at this, at this point, because of the job that you've done telling the story. So just a point of personal privilege to thank you, not only for, for that, but also for your, your partnership in, in getting ready for broadcasts every week. Um, you guys have a more robust preparation process for, for TV. Um, but we're we're connecting every week uh, as as folks may or may not know to to talk through some of those storylines with Gary Smith and and independently of that as well so your your friendship and partnership in that has been has been awesome and it's been a blast to to work alongside you
2: well, that's really kind of you to say. And you know, and to to Tim as well. You know, you know, you guys are doing an amazing job with you know with this podcast and the work you know that you do. And you know, the the league moves into a new landscape now, which fundamentally I think will will be very very exciting for you know for everyone ultimately. But you know, we also take with us you know some absolutely precious memories of the first you know this very very early era of Major League Soccer, and actually you know going back to over in Europe and England where our clubs are you know, 120-odd years old or whatever, and you can only imagine what, what might have been like in day one of you know, a, mm-hmm. a club like Woolwich Arsenal or someone like that. <laughs> um, and you know, we were here at the start, and we should never underestimate what that would have been like, whether it's the start of MLS or indeed going back further. You know, it, it's, it's really, really we, – we occupy special places in history, and it's been a privilege to, you know, to, to tell those stories.
1: Well, thank you so much for joining us, Tony. And uh, who knows what the future holds, but thank you so much for your work these first three years in Nashville SC.
2: Thank you to you both. Speak to we'll, you soon.
0: We'll close with with uh, a call that uh, I asked Tony, what, what's one of your favorite moments, favorite calls? and uh, he referenced the, uh, the playoff goal by Hani Mukhtar against Orlando City last year in that 3-1 uh, playoff opening win at Nissan Stadium, uh, and uh, so we'll play that on the way out here courtesy of ESPN 94.9. Tony, thank you for, for everything you, you've done in these first three years for this club, and I uh, look forward to, to keeping in touch. Thank you both.
2: Mukhtar sets up Sapong, Sapong nice control, back out to the right to Mukhtar, he's running at the penalty area, it's Hani Mukhtar for Nashville, onto his left, he's still going, and he's put it in, with a quite incredible, virtuoso goal, how about that for an MVP, that ladies and gentlemen, is Hani Mukhtar, and that is Nashville SC2, Orlando City 1, books are magic in the playoffs
0: awesome discussion as expected with uh, with tony and you know tim i have shared the story on here before i've shared it with friends too but you know when tony came over from england uh i was unsure what that meant for the dynamic of our local broadcasts i didn't I hadn't met tony didn't know him from adam knew he was good at what he did i'd listened to some clips and Be worried, right? Like, do we need somebody from England to come over and tell the story of our team? Mm -hmm. Did we need somebody from England necessarily? No. Did Tony add a significant amount? And was he the right person to do it? He has proven over the last three years that he has been an incredible choice, an incredible asset, an incredible ally to Nashville SC supporters. And, And again, the number one reason why I think he's been so good is not his ability, which is vast, his experience, which is vast, his eloquence, which is second to none, but it's his curiosity. It's wanting to get to understand this market, get to know the supporters, get to travel to professional sports cities across the United States and Canada and see those places. And our best conversations, uh, he and I have been about those things. And uh, I've really had a blast working with him, getting to know him personally and professionally uh, Tim, I, I uh, he he has been the soundtrack for for three years of special moments for for Nashville SC, and uh, will always be honored for that among these fans. Yeah, you mentioned uh, maybe hesitance to say, "Oh,
1: Nashville SC needs an English radio announcer," and that's something that is that has always been kind of a pet peeve of mine in American soccer. Say, "Oh, they feel like they need an English voice to provide some legitimacy," but an English voice isn't any more le- legitimate than an American voice. But um, that that is inherently the case, but when it's somebody like Tony, who is, who is behind the English voice, you do get that sort of gravitas. You do get that sort of knowledge about the game, but you know, before Tony came over when he was still stuck in England in the early days of the coronavirus pandemic, uh, we all met with him, I think individually over zoom and just to kind of get to know him and the, the curiosity and depth of knowledge he had about the American sporting scene, was so much different. I, I think if you asked the top English announcers in the game today, that that people would recognize from international broadcasts, you say, okay, well, you know, how many downs to get a first down in football? They say, I don't know. <laughs> and Tony, Tony, was out here like citing quarterback ratings. He is yeah. a guy who is naturally curious about it, but he he has an English voice, but has the the humility to know that just being English isn't what makes you a soccer expert. It's learning about the game and and getting to know the stories and the people. And that's something that um, he's all he's put tons of effort into getting to know the people on the, on the Nashville SC beat. I've been doing it longer than anyone. And, And Tony is one of the people who has worked the hardest to get to know me over the course of covering this team. And that's something that is, that is so meaningful to me personally, obviously, but it also demonstrates why he is so important to this club and what he has meant to this club, because of of the the level of effort that he put into doing a a great job every time out
0: yeah all of that is so well stated and what's what's fun is that even though tv and radio are of course you know separate you know mediums and on game days we're not working together each week regardless we we all meet with with gary so tony jamie eddie and i all all sit down and talk with Gary about the match and and we collaborate on storylines too. In a lot of those cases too, and are sharing stats back and forth. And Tony has always been so generous with, with that statistical sharing um, in, in the case he listens to this podcast every week, by the way. And, um, and, and uh, that's the
1: only reason we're saying nice stuff.
0: <laughs> well, I'll say this more than, more than a couple of times, he's pointed out something that was either a, you know, a statistical error that I cited or something that he liked and he's reached out and said, Hey, that was really good. Or, Hey, by the way, FYI, if you want to correct this in time for the broadcast uh, and, and he's, he's so gracious, but also so very on top of, of, of his stuff. And uh, whatever things look like in the future, uh, whatever the MLS deal is. And, and, you know, again, I, I know as much as the fan does at this point, uh, we will be rooting for the best for Tony and for Jamie, who have been just sterling representatives uh, of this club. Let's move on to the mailbag now. And Payancito asks, any word on Jacob Schaffelberg? He seemed injured before he left the field. Han, he hasn't looked his best the last two games. Please tell me he'll be back to normal on Saturday.
1: Gary Smith mentioned after the match that the team came out of it in completely good health. Um, he was specifically noting that the substitutions for Dax McCarty and Walker Zimmerman were planned. They were either 45 or 60 just whenever the opportunity arose, and those are completely precautionary. Um, he wasn't asked specifically about Schaffelberg, so who knows? You sometimes get uh, – if the question isn't asked specifically, he's very good at not answering it <laughs> just just off the cuff. But I would expect Schaffelberg to be good to go within a week, although, again, I, I wouldn't put it past Gary to do a little sandbagging if that were the case, but I don't think it is.
0: Stooks, be hugging. He'd be hugging after that win for sure. Do you think Teal starts over CJ again in the first round playoff match with Teal scoring the lone and game winning goal? Looks like it was the right call. How would uh, how would you rate his his dog factor? One eh, to five. Rough, rough, rough. The sound effects, by the way, Stukes is in, not mine. Uh, <laughs> and Pancito with uh, a question that doesn't force me to make animal sounds. CJ as a super sub. Um, I don't think Gary would have started Teal against LAFC if he wasn't intending to at least give him a shot at that starting role in the playoffs. So, and I don't think this was just, let's give CJ a break. I think it was, let's see how Teal can combine and how he can work. And when you combine that with Gary's tendency to reward players who score goals, uh, I always go back to the Luke Hawkinson score Mm -hmm. story. When he scores the breaks against Toronto in the next match, he's like, he's, he's got a little bit of a nagging injury, not enough to keep him from starting. And here's like, you're starting, you're in. (laughs) <laughs> uh that that's what he does right Robert Castellanos the lone notable exception to that uh, but I, because of that I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised to see Teal starting the playoffs I'm not sitting here writing his name in Sharpie right now mm-hmm. but it would not surprise me uh, one fun stat by the way that that might also lend credence to that decision on NSC's roster only one player has more playoff experience than Bunbury of course it's Dax McCarty uh 17 games for Teal yeah I, to
1: to answer Piancito as part of the question is I I could see CJ as a super sub especially because you got the performance that you saw out of Bunbury on Sunday night but the issue is what what CJ is bringing right now as he's not in his best run of form is a ton of energy and not a lot of goal-scoring bite. That's more the guy that you start in a game and then bring the goal-scoring bite off the bench, right? Um, So maybe getting run against tired legs could get him going. If he were to come on as a sub-4 Teal against LA Galaxy and and notch a goal, you'd feel very good about him finally getting back on the score sheet for the first time since May. But um, at this point, um, I I think the move is more to reward Teal than any sort of, okay, here's a better use for CJ for sure. Yeah, I think so much... We didn't answer the dog question. Uh, four dogs out of five. <laughs>
0: I'll give it five. To come back from injury and to be second only to Honey towering and goals per 90 for Nashville SE this year, give me, give me five for sure. I think, too, like, CJ has been such a key element in the counterattack because of his hold up play, you go long to him. He's your target. He pulls it down. He connects with with mm-hmm. you know Mukhtar. With the addition of Schaffelberg, that gives you a different outlet, a different option in those counterattacks. You can mm-hmm. go for the home run threat to Schaffelberg and use speed rather than that stout hold up presence. For that reason, I think you need CJ just a little bit less in some of that build up. Um, if we're going to assume that Nashville is countering and is kind of on the on the back foot a little bit more against LA Galaxy, so I, again okay. that that takes me the direction of Teal as well. I think.
1: I think one thing in regards to that is CJ seems to be more willing and, and uh, has the mindset to spark the, the counterattack, spark the break too. So he can send Schaffelberg in a way that Bunbury probably, probably can and, and could, but we haven't seen as much from him. So there is, you, there's a lot of dynamics that go into this. I don't envy Gary Smith finally having uh, the decision to make between
0: a couple of healthy guys up top because he hasn't had that opportunity a lot this year. I think we could have a whole podcast episode just on that question. It's a really good one. And I don't think there's a wrong decision. Mm -hmm. Of course, um, you know, if somebody scores, it's going to look like the right decision. Uh, Patron Saint of coffee, how deep do you think this run can go? If I read correctly, we have LAFC in the second round. You do read correctly. uh, PSOC. Uh, Granted, we bested them yesterday. Uh, You have to think the playoff game is going to be completely different. Yeah. I I mean, I think, whatever happens in that, whatever the result is, the dynamic will be a bit different with LAFC, of course, having everything to play for instead of basically nothing.
1: Yeah. And in terms of how deep the run can go, I, I don't think you can rule out Nashville SC at this stage. It's not to say they will go on to, to capture MLS cup, but the potential is there. Um, I'm, to me, honestly, if, if I just look at the 14 teams that make the playoffs, RSL and Miami are the only two that I look at and I say, eh, I don't know that I could see them going to the, the cup, much less winning it. Um, but, you know, as for the potential return to LAFC, both Steve Chirondolo and Gary Smith will be less itchy on the sub trigger. We saw Carlos Vela come off after 30 minutes, I believe. And obviously, um, we saw Walker and Dax come off at halftime, like I mentioned before. So these were two coaches who who wanted to win a game, yes, but they also were very focused on what is the bigger goal. I, and I think uh, the the repeat nature of that LAFC uh, potential is is just, it's going to be a completely different sort of
0: game. Yeah, don't look at LAFC's game against NSC as a template for beating LAFC. Look at it as an, as <laughs> yeah, an yeah, example. Just,
1: just go and make 14 saves if you would. Go, right. go, go
0: set a record for XG face. Hope hits a Paninka. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So don't, obviously don't look at it as an example of how. <laughs> look at it as, a, as an example of it can happen. It, mm-hmm. it, that it can happen not how it can happen um, and with that i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you the 538 odds as they stand uh, today monday after decision day and then i'm gonna tell you why they're crap um 538 gives an well, a 34 there's
1: one reason right there <laughs> what's that there's one reason right there, because there's a 538 odds.
0: Well, it's fair. And I'm sure Tim's <laughs> going to give me five different sites in his content recommendations. No, 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 no. 538 odds. is one of my go-tos. But, They're uh, pretty good. They're pretty you can, good. You can
1: it's, you can note some obvious deficiencies just by looking
0: at Well, that. and I won't get into methodology of, of what's yeah. going on here, but, but if you look at the numbers, you're going to call them deficient here. Nashville, just a 34% chance of beating Galaxy. Uh, in that first round game uh, I, I think it's 50 50 i think it's a toss-up uh, mm. i think it's going to be you know a really tight game as these other two have been between the teams this year uh, moving forward just a nine percent chance of beating lafc to make the conference final four percent chance of making mls cup a one percent chance of winning mls cup for what it's worth those first round odds for nashville better than any other team uh, seated fifth through seventh uh, but I think again I'd put that Galaxy match as it's something resembling a toss up and every other set of odds. I'm not saying Nashville's your favorite to win MLS Cup, but 1%, you know, just a one in less than one in 10 chance of beating LAFC on the road. I I don't well, like that's, those that's, numbers. Yeah, I mean a, a, a big uh input component at 538's
1: n- uh, numbers is the the roster spend, the the transfer value of your players. So it's it's starting from a point that Yes, they they kind of get to a better spot by the end of the year, but MLS, a Salary Caps League, is just inherently different than every other league that they're trying to do their global rankings for. So you have to keep that in mind when you look at exactly
0: how those things um, play in a league that has a different set of rules. Charlie Pate, how much, if any, will the 2,000-mile trip times two affect the team leading up to Saturday? And again, if Nashville beats the Galaxy, they would have to return to the West Coast to play LAFC Uh, It would be a Saturday, Thursday swing Um, on trips to the West coast this year, Nashville's three, one, and two this year. So just one loss in six, that one loss came to galaxy uh, late in that one. Uh, The one time they had to go to the West coast and play on short rest, it was a draw against Portland. That would be the scenario again with a first round win. If you want to call, you know, five days between games, a a short rest.
1: Yeah. There's there's stress on the player's bodies. It's like a, you know, 2000 mile trip. Like you said, that's not easy. You're sitting there, not moving basically for four hours. That's not easy to go and then play a game. Uh, there is there is stress on the bodies. And Gary Smith did mention in the post-game press conference that a potential win over the Galaxy might see the team stay uh, Sunday through Wednesday and, and train in California. Uh, though that was being after being asked a bunch of times by a Galaxy beat writer. So definitely take that with a grain of salt that he's kind of just trying to get rid of the question. Um, but it doesn't make a ton of sense to fly back either Saturday evening or Sunday morning to only have two training days and then have to fly right back. So it is something that if that win over the galaxy were to happen, it's something that they would really have to consider. And the fact that we're talking so much about it makes me think it's not going to happen and that's going to lose to the galaxy.
0: John Mueller, how's the environment change in the playoffs or is the expectation for this team business as usual? He says, I know everyone would say it's just another game, but surely the winner go home aspect is in the back of everyone's minds. This is a team that embraced its road warrior
1: status earlier in the year. And I think that remains the case. A game like you saw on Sunday night with a heavy focus on on don't get beat versus go out and play beautiful ball is going to be the name of the game for at least the next two matches. So I don't I don't think the the playoff environments might be more raucous, but I don't think the team's attitude changes.
0: Alex, Wynn, how far can the underdog mentality take this team in the playoffs? I didn't go back to calculate games in which Nashville SC was the quote unquote underdog because unless you're going by Vegas odds, that's a bit subjective. Even then, it can be. Uh, But but I went to road performances. Nobody in the West earned more road points this year, than Nashville LAFC and Austin tied Nashville with 26 points over their 14 road matches. So, um, you know, I think if you look at the raw results rather than trying to assess a hard to pin down underdog psyche question, I think it has to bode well, right. That Nashville SC has been difficult situations. And of course you talk about those first eight uh, on the road to start the year, the best team to ever have, have survived that stretch, and then having the oldest roster in MLS can come with some drawbacks, obviously too. I mean, experience, age. There's a, there's a bit of a continuum there, but certainly when it comes to having experienced players, that that that's an advantage when you have guys going on the road who aren't phased by uh, by a tough playoff environment that LA is going to offer.
1: Yeah, for me, it's uh, I don't know that underdog mentality is even quite the right way. It's not quite pre- precise enough to put it into perspective, certainly they're all in on the, you know, we can go anywhere and beat you. Um, as I, as I mentioned previously, and as you just said, you just said they have proven it so far over the course of this year, but um, this this is a team that won a franchise record number of games this year with 13. They won just 12 last year. They had 18 draws, which is how they ended up with a lot more points, but seven, seven of their 13 wins came on the road. Um, that's yes. That is more than half of the wins. This team got came away from Geodes park. So I wouldn't necessarily characterize it as, as a road swagger necessarily, but they're not going on the road, you know, saying, Oh, we are not the underdog, you know, Oh, shucks. Look at us. They feel like they should win when they are playing a team that they have shown that they can play right there with.
0: Uh, there's no doubt. And I think, you know, if there are, if LA galaxy beats Nashville as they very well could, there'll be a number of reasons that that will happen. Nashville being daunted by the task of traveling cross country to play uh, a vaunted franchise in this club will not be a reason. The Nashville. Yeah, I mean,
1: when a guy like Walker Zimmerman was at LAFC, he had to travel almost as far to Carson for, for those <laughs> games anyway.
0: <laughs> I mean, driving versus flying, you're exactly right. <laughs> uh, Painter Saint of Coffee uh, hitting on my psyche, as we talk about the team psyche. Uh, guys, I'm going to have a tough time. <laughs> I'm going to be real. Tennessee's playing Alabama. And this is not a Tennessee-Alabama game that resembles any that that we've seen, at least coming into it since 2006. Tennessee's last win over the Crimson Tide. They're playing it right around the same time. Uh, and Patron Saint of Coffee's in the same boat. He says, "I'm managing my emotions. It's going to be a big problem come Sunday, Saturday <laughs> afternoon. It should be fun. I'm I'm glad you think it should be fun, Patron Saint. What I think is that there were six possible slots that this game could have been played. And the one that I didn't want <laughs> is the one when it's taking place. I can also tell you there was a ticket waiting for me for Tennessee, Alabama, having my, my orange cake and eating it too would have been quite nice.
1: Yeah. R- roll tide. No, I don't, I, I don't actually, that on this I show. don't actually care. I'm just rolling. <laughs> then don't say it. Don't say it. You don't. That might be the first time I've ever said it, except when quoting that one ESPN question.
0: <laughs> I have quoted it a few times, but only with the, the popular, Saying in Tennessee, which is around the bowl and down the hole. Roll. <laughs> um, let's go outside in and we're going to make our playoff picks, not just for this first round, but for the whole gamut. Uh, first, starting the Eastern Conference, uh, the matchups again five seed Cincy taking on New York Red Bulls, number six Miami traveling to NYC FC. They're going to play that in a stadium. I'm, I'm, I don't know which. The Mets are done now. I guess it might be City Field. Um, and Orlando visits Montreal in the 7 2 matchup. Tim, I'll, I'll go to you first for your Eastern Conference picks.
1: Yeah, for me, I've got I've got Orlando and New York City winning Orlando is is obviously the upset there. And since I have Red Bulls uh, playing Philly in the next round too, Orlando is my only upset. They're my only road team that I have winning in the Eastern Conference in the first Mm -hmm. round. I have I have Philly and NYC advancing um, to play each other in in a soccer stadium, which is not something that NYCFC is used to. (laughs) Therefore, I have I have Philly winning the Eastern Conference and moving on uh to MLS
0: Cup that would be a, a rematch of last year's uh, conference final as well uh for me i think first round uh since he Red Bulls, three of the last four between these two have been draws. I'll take Red Bulls 2-1 just because they have that playoff experience, having now equaled Seattle's playoff streak. Um, Miami and NYC, only Philadelphia is better at home this year than the NYC FC, regardless of the fact that NYC has played at how many different home venues this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Miami's one of the worst five road teams in the East. Uh, one win and six tries ever against NYC. I'll say 3-1 Pigeons in that one. Um, Orlando-Montreal is a rematch of a 4-1 Impact win in May. Uh, that's the last time they played each other in Montreal. And yes, I called them the impact on purpose. Um, Orlando, just two league win streaks all year, and they beat Columbus in their last game, which means they're going to lose, of course. Uh, 4-1, uh, I'll say the final score in favor of Montreal. Philly and Montreal in the final in the Eastern Conference, and I'll take Philly. I think the Union are, are awesome this year. Uh, Western Conference, again, your matchups. Five-seed Nashville at LA Galaxy. Number six, Minnesota at three, Dallas. Seven, RSL at two, Austin. Um, again, I'll I'll make a Nashville SC Galaxy pick here because I'm not on the play I'll play mic. I'm I'm saying it's Nashville's game. I think it's a it's decided by one goal, or this goes to extra time slash penalties. If it if it stays in regulation or is won in extra time, I'll take Nashville. If it goes to penalties, I'll take Galaxy. Uh, but but I uh, I'll pick Nashville, and I'm going to pick them in a I'll call it I'll say a two one two one win uh, for Nashville SC. Minnesota Dallas. I think is the wild game of the round. Um, I'll take Dallas 3-2, Ferreira scoring late. Uh, I think the magic ends for RSL 3-0 with the Driosi Brace. in Austin, um, I'll go ahead and just, I'm not picking LAFC over Nashville necessarily, but we'll just go with the odds and say the odds would be LAFC wins that game. Uh, I think they played Dallas in the Western Conference Final. I think Austin's still maybe a year away from having what it takes to go all the way. Um, whereas Dallas has some stone cold MLS vets. I'm looking at you, Paul Areola. Um, LAFC. Uh, beats Dallas, LAFC, Philly in the final for me, Tim. I have,
1: I have Nashville over the Galaxy, I think. We've spent most of this podcast uh, with me casting doubt on how good the Galaxy actually may or may not be. So uh, they'll take on lafc in the next round and unfortunately i'm going to scoop myself before even giving the rest of the first round games i don't think nashville makes it past lafc either so you're not alone in that one west but um i have i have minnesota upsetting dallas that's uh possibly my only upset hit here of all of these i oh, know i had orlando, as orlando well. that's yeah. right i had orlando as well but i have mini um uh, has been a team that that was very good all year and just didn't quite seem ready to get over the hump i think dallas after a few years in the wilderness here, they don't quite have that edge back yet that they had in the past. Uh, they're, they're not uh, ready to go out and, and burn people. The Dallas, oh, Dallas Yes. Uh, <laughs> so and then I have, uh, uh as I mentioned earlier, I, I think RSL is one of two teams that I just don't see having any realistic path to MLS cup, much less to winning the game. No. So I have Austin winning that one. Um, and I have, um, uh, Minnesota, uh, losing to Austin, and uh, as per my previous email, I have LAFC beating Nashville. Uh, I think I'm going to have, just just for the sake of excitement, I'm going to have Austin upsetting LAFC and, and making it to MLS Cup where they will obviously
0: uh, face the Philadelphia Union. I, I don't mind it. Again, if you look at playoff experience, Austin's lower on the list, obviously. But if you look at that pure if talent ability... If you like a good playoff experience, <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs> so LAFC has very little of it.
0: That's a very good point. Um, so... There you go. Uh, LAFC uh, then for me beats Philly in MLS Cup. I I don't, it probably doesn't end up a one seed versus one seed because it's MLS. That's
1: among the reasons that I, that I, as you'll note, as you can see, but nobody else can (laughs) that I switched my pick.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I get it. I, I, again, it's my prediction that I don't think will happen, but I don't know how I can. Yeah, It's the most likely, but that doesn't make it likely. Uh, I have, I
1: have Philly beating Austin for the record, everyone.
0: Uh, the, the long uh, deserved MLS Cup, many would say, for Jim Curtin after he's taken uh, a, a basement team and made them a consistent contender, supporter shield winner a couple of years ago. So there you go, Philly for Tim, LAFC for me. We're so original. <laughs> I think to the the final whistle now. Uh, thanks to everyone, by the way, for playing MLS fantasy this year. The
2: 440 Ooh, Sports Football League
0: that. action is over, and now I can freely talk about it without it being a reminder for Tim to check his team. <laughs> Uh the final standings I'm pulling up as we speak because I did not put this in the rundown because I did not think to talk about it until just now. Um and honestly, I'm not even seeing the standings listed right now. So uh Rhino FC is apparently oh no, Wahaji Umo Mukhtar is the winner of our of our league. That's all I got. The standings are now listed out of order in alphabetical order somehow. So um congrats <laughs> to those who played. Thanks for playing. I beat Tim. That's all that matters. Uh concert congrats, recommendations, us. Tim.
1: Um, you know what? This is one of the best weeks of the year in MLS, obviously preseason when we don't really know who any team is going to be. And a ton of people are writing about it. There's a lot of stuff out there as we go into the playoffs. We feel like we know everything about every team. So uh, there's a lot written that seems a little bit more informed, but it's going to be crazy. Watch the watch the MLS playoffs games that are not Nashville SC uh, against LA Galaxy, but before you get there, read everything you can about these teams, read what everybody thinks are going to be the outcomes of these games and see exactly how little we all know in, in such a, a <laughs> low trials, uh, high variance sport like soccer uh, with very small sample sizes in terms of uh, what the final score differences may be. So it is it is a really exciting time of year, but I want to make sure everybody uh, consumes all the content you possibly can about the league while the time is quickly running out
0: including at clubcountryusa.com, of course. Um, I'm, I'm going to use this space to uh, to give some love to my uh, color commentary colleague in the booth all year, um, Eddie Carvacho. And we had him on the show just a couple weeks ago. GiganticoBiz, B-I-Z, is his Twitter handle. Give him a follow and give him some love. He is so <laughs> incisive and insightful and incredibly entertaining uh, on the air, but he's also an even better person and a great soccer leader uh, leading the youth movement here in middle Tennessee as part of Tennessee United soccer club uh, where he is a coach and, and leader. So uh, give, give Eddie a follow. He's just a great dude uh, and, and send him a note as well. If you liked anything he did on the air or you liked what he did on this podcast, um, then just, just give him a nice word. I know, you know, there's a 10 to 20 to one relationship between those who listen to radio versus watch TV. And I, I of course I have no illusions there. But uh, we do put a lot of work into that radio product, and and Eddie has put as much as any. While being on the road almost every weekend, he still found a way to get back in time for these games. So, give Eddie a follow. Chiantico Biz, just just a great guy. Uh, And and thank you for listening. This has been an awesome year. This may be the last match preview that we have for you this year for Nashville SC will not be the last podcast. Whatever happens, we will be back to talk about all of it next week. And uh, we would not mind be previewing another matchup with LAFC this time next week. Uh, We already did all the work, right?
1: What's that? (laughs) We already did all the work to preview them. Just exactly. That's great.
0: Roster boards already set for me. Nice, uh, (laughs) nice and easy um thank you guys for listening again it's been special again let's let's look for you at ml rose i will uh, strive to be there i'll almost promise i'll be there um, after that playoff opener for nashville sc and whether it's a playoff opener or a playoff closer let's get together for a beer and a burger thanks to moon taxi for the music uh please hop on right now apple Podcasts, and rate review uh, our podcast subscribe to us as well and tell a friend if if you know people who are like you know what i'll pay attention when the playoffs start guess what Playoffs are here, it and we can be the place to go to listen in. And you never know if Nashville SC wins the next two and the six or seven seed advances to the MLS, uh, the Western Conference Final. It's going to be another home game to talk about too. So uh, get people ready for that uh, by making sure that they're aware of the Club and Country podcast. Give us each a follow on Twitter as well. Uh, thanks to the 440 Sports Network for giving us microphones. Tim, anything else you want to leave folks with today?
1: No, thank you so much to everybody who is has stuck with us. Not just this season but everybody who's been there since the beginning last season as well has been an incredible ride and we're looking forward to uh the the 2022 edition of it not being over quite yet so uh there we go
0: the coyote has not seen his shadow (laughs) and so hot tim winter is not underway not yet it's not upon us quite yet Uh, thanks to tony for joining us as well and we'll talk to you guys next week